you are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. just looking forward to seeing how the Lord is going to continue to speak as he's spoken to us in that time of praise and worship. Uh, We're going to look to to God's word this morning from the book of Acts, and we've been in a series uh, called Jesus Builds His Church. We've been walking through uh, the book of Acts, how the church was built uh, after Jesus had ascended to heaven in Acts uh, 18. We now find ourselves, so if you have a, a Bible, you can turn to the book of Acts, chapter 18. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 17 today, book of Acts, chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. Uh, title of the message is, The Lord Knows It All. The Lord Knows uh, It All. And so uh, what we are, if you want to take notes today, you can. Uh, you can follow on uh, the YouVersion Bible app. We, uh, we have uh, the message notes there, or you can use a scan code on your back of your seats. Uh, that'll take you directly to the message notes. Uh, you can type down the things that the Lord speaks to you, it'll have the points and the, the, ser- or the, the scriptures will be on there as well for you, uh, so you can do that if you would like. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Lord being more active than we could ever imagine. Everybody say active. Active. If you uh, play fantasy football, this is an important day for you because this is where you check to see whether or not a player is active or inactive, amen? And so you, that's... One way you can describe the word active, you got to figure out if that guy is going to play in today's game. Uh, not, don't check right now, all right? You can check after. <laughs> but uh, you can also see activity, or you can see your kids active, uh, especially at a younger age. I mean, I wish I had the energy of a five-year-old again, right? Where it's like, as soon as you wake up, it goes from like level one to level 10. It's like, for the rest of us, we have to have some kind of caffeine in our body or food in our stomach, right? To to get moving, right? Uh, but they, they seem to, as soon as their eyes open, they're ready to rock and roll, right? Um, you know, there's a number of different things that we can be active about. We can be active with exercising, all those different things. Um, you know, when I was youth pastoring my very first year, um, we had, I took a small group of uh, some high school guys on a trip because they had won something, and there's about four of them. And so we, we go, and I've never done an overnight trip before, uh, with students, and so it was just a couple of them, and, and we're uh, getting ready to, to you know, we're, we're there, we're having fun where we're at, and, you know, back to the hotel, and the goal of every youth pastor on overnight trips is just to get the students to bed. Like, that is the, that is like mission accomplished, right? It's just like, just get them to bed, and then and, and get their eyes to close, right? And then once that happens, it's like, God is faithful, right? And it's like, you're just, you feel so good about yourself, but um, so we're, we're, well, I'm thinking we're winding down. It's like midnight. I'm like, all right, we got to go to bed, like start like at least winding down a little bit. Um, and all of a sudden this one guy, he has this backpack and he starts pulling these things out. And I'm like, what in the world? He starts pulling out two energy drinks and then 
he pulls out two different, he, two different Mountain Dews. Um, and, and I'm thinking like, no, we are not doing an all-nighter. Like, this is not, not going to happen. Um, and so I'm like, hey, I see you got those sugary drinks there. Um, those are energy drinks. And the, and the other thing is loaded with caffeine. He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I love this stuff. I'm like, it's, we got to go to bed at some point, right? And he's like, Pastor Bobby, you don't understand. I drink this stuff and it knocks me out. Like, I, I fall asleep. And so I'm thinking like he's pulling my like, leg or something. I'm like, there's no way that you drink that. You're, not, you're like, you just want the excuse to drink that. I understand. Mom and dad are not with you right now. And so now it's time for you to do whatever you desire, right? And so, um, he, so we did a tri- test run. I was like, so he's, he convinced me somehow, some way, um, to drink one of each. And I'm like, okay, drink one of each and we'll see whether or not. Lo and behold, within 20 minutes, the dude was on the bed, knocked out cold. Like he was just, he was done. And I was like, praise God, we're going to bed earlier than I thought. So, um, so that, you know, he was, but he was definitely active the next morning. It's, I, maybe it just had a delay. I don't really know. Um, but it worked for that night and, uh, specifically praise the Lord. Um, and so, um, so anyways, as we, Look at seeing how the Lord is active more than we can ever imagine. Uh, we're going to be seeing this in the Acts chapter 18, but we've also seen this throughout the whole book of Acts, is the Lord being active in every way possible. Uh, and it's quite fascinating, uh, to say the least. And as we look to this chapter, I'm going to give you kind of a background leading up to this moment, uh, because there's a man named Paul that's mentioned in here, um, and we followed a lot of his story in Acts uh, simply because at one point in time he was known as a man named Saul who would uh, persecute Christians for a living and Jesus changed his life. And then eventually he would change his name to Paul and he's now starting churches all over the place in different places, cities, regions of the world. And, and he's been through uh, just recently um, in this particular passage, he was recently in Macedonia where he experienced uh, some good things, but there were also a lot of bad things where he's got a mob following him uh, of people who don't like what he's talking about, who don't like the name Jesus. And this is why I always try to mention this, is like, people are okay with you mentioning the name God, but they're not okay with you mentioning the name Jesus. Like, it, because God can now be used as a general term for stuff. How many of you know that? Like, it can be used about anything. But as soon as you start bringing the name Jesus up, that, that starts to offend people. That starts to upset people. And so he was preaching about Jesus, which is why they would be very, very upset. And so often all these different areas and regions of the world, uh, he would experience trouble. Um, and so we're going to be finding him now. He, he comes from Athens to a place called Corinth. And if you're familiar with the New Testament, there's the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians. And so this is, this is kind of giving you background to who these people are when you read the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians, two different books um, that he talks to and writes to as far as the church that starts in Corinth, which is where we're going to find ourselves in Acts chapter 18. And so as we read this, we're going to have three different points. Uh, the first one is, is that what we, he's going to, uh, the Lord knows what we need when we need it. The Lord knows what we need when we need it. Um, we're also going to discover the Lord knows what we feel, so we take courage. And then the Lord knows how to further his gospel. The Lord knows how to further his gospel message to the world. And so We're going to be looking at this this morning in Acts chapter 18. We'll start in verses 1 and we'll go up to verse 8 if you would like to follow along. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. 
There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who, were, uh, who heard Paul believed and were baptized. So at this point, Paul has been through uh, Macedonia. Um, he has experienced, like I said, some persecution. He's experienced a mob of people following him from city to city. Uh, and what I want us to know is simply this, is that uh, I would be annoyed if I was Paul, right? I'd be annoyed and I would be a little worn out. Even though I'm seeing productivity, I'm seeing some things happen, how many know that's going to wear you out? Like people constantly following you everywhere you go. And at some point, it, it feels like it would just wear you out. And we're going to see how Paul feels in the next point. But what I want us to catch is simply this, is what motivates Paul to keep moving forward? What motivates Paul to keep moving forward? And that's a very good question to ask, simply because he's seen the example of Jesus and what Jesus has done. This is so critical for us to catch this at the very beginning of this, is what motivates Paul? What motivates him? What motivates Paul is the end goal, the mission. And that, and that can be applied anywhere, because what Paul has realized is what Jesus has done for him. He can't He can't seem to grasp a a hold of everything that Jesus has done for him because he asks a simple question, why? I mean, it's like if you've been persecuting Christians for a living, Jesus changes your life. How many know it's like, okay, well, why? Like, why was Jesus so persistent with him and with people? Because, you know, if you read the Gospels and, you know, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, sometimes I ask the question like, Jesus, how did you even go through with all this? Like, if I was you, I would just be annoyed to the point of where I'd just say, fine, you don't want me? Goodbye. You know, it's just like, just close the door and leave if they don't really want you, you know? And, but Jesus, we see him go through it all. We, we see him go through persecution, mockery, suffering. And he goes, and, because why? Because Jesus had an end goal in mind. Jesus understood that sin had separated us from God from the very beginning, with, with the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin enters the world. And all of a sudden, we realize there is a gap between us and God. There's, not, there's a gap in our relationship with him. And something has to be done about this. If you read the book of Romans, you will get more and more in detail about this. But to kind of summarize it as quickly as I can, the reason why the book of Romans is so important is because it explains everything about what is happening with, with what Jesus has done for us. That sin had separated us from God. There is a gap. And so for, for Paul, he understood this. God is just. God is just. What that means is God will deal with sin. He will deal with it. Because why? Because he's just. He's righteous. He has to. Be, it is in his character. It is, it can deal, he can deal with it in this life or he will deal with it in the next life. He will deal with it because that's just who he is. He has to. But we also find out in the book of Romans is that God is gracious. So how does God show his grace 
towards humanity that rejects him. Simple. He says, I will place my grace or my wrath on Jesus so that the punishment Jesus takes for you, it doesn't have to be placed on your shoulders anymore. It's gone. It can be gone. But who is it through? Jesus. It's through Jesus. So those who reject Jesus, who say, I don't want to follow Jesus, I want nothing to do with Jesus, the wrath of God remains. The sin remains on your shoulders. When, Jesus, when the Bible says all sin was placed on their shoulders, why? Because Jesus was wanting to take it off of your shoulders. And so he who did not sin became sin for us, as Scripture says. So the wrath of sin, the punishment of sin, was placed on Jesus' shoulders so that you and I don't have to suffer the eternal punishment of that. But to reject Jesus means the sin remains. The sin stays. And God is telling people all over the world, Jesus came to say the same thing, repent and believe, repent and believe. You hear that over and over and over, repent and believe. Why? Because God knows the sin remains if it's not dealt with. Because God will deal with it. It's a matter of who's going to pay the penalty, who's going to pay the debt. Jesus says, I'll pay the debt for you. I will die on that cross for you. And I will resurrect from the dead so that I can give you resurrection life. I can give you new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It's Paul writing that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The reason why Jesus can give you resurrection life is because he owns it. He owns that. Because he was able to do something no one on this earth could do. To live a sinless life to die on a cross, to resurrect from the dead, to ascend into heaven, to be at the right hand of God, the Bible says. No one else is able to do that. Just read the Old Testament, how messed up people were and how much they tried. They all fell short. It's a pattern that the world and humanity has. It's just who we are. But this is so fascinating to us and even to a man like Paul. He's fascinated by it, that Jesus would go through all of this. And so Paul has an end goal in mind, is that one day he knows that he is going to be with God. He wants to be with God. And that is so important to catch, is that he wants to be with God forever and ever. And so he knows what Jesus cared about. Jesus cared about humanity. So he cares about humanity. So now Paul is going to do whatever it takes to win as many people as possible so that they can be with Jesus forever and ever. This was Paul's mission. This was his goal. This is why he was doing what he was doing. This is because he had an end goal in mind. He understood and he was convinced of the mission. The issue that sometimes we have a hard time living out when it comes to living out the gospel is there are some things that we are not mentioning out loud, but deep down, we may not be convinced of. We might not be convinced that God is fully gracious. We may not be convinced that God is love. We may not be convinced that there's joy. We may not... There's a number of different things we're just sometimes not convinced of. Deep down, because of the things we walk through, Paul was convinced that this was the path to follow. This can be applied to any area of your life. The question you have to ask yourself is, where's your focus? Because what you focus on is what you will pursue. What I focus on is what I will pursue. If, you know, for example, if you're pursued on making money, guess where you're... Guess what you're going to be doing if that's where your focus is? I'm going to find as many ways as possible to earn a money. If your focus is on some type of goal in the workplace to be promoted to some type of 
position, guess where your focus is going to be? It's going to be on that. And you will, you will simply pursue that with all your might. But when my focus is on the gospel, when it's on Jesus and his message for humanity, what I start to do is I start to position myself to make sure that that's what I'm doing. It's a path that I'm going down. That I will not just, I'm not just going to live out the gospel at church. I'm going to live out the gospel in my community. Because why? Because that's where your focus is. It is all about the gospel. I'm bringing the gospel everywhere. I'm bringing the gospel not just at home. I'm bringing it to my workplace. I'm bringing the gospel to the store. I'm bringing my, my, the gospel to the restaurant. I'm bringing the gospel everywhere because that's where my focus is. This is what he saw, Paul saw in Jesus, that the gospel went everywhere with him. And the gospel goes with Paul everywhere. And so when it comes to applying this to our life, I mean, you just, you just name it. What's your motivation? What's your focus? What is my motivation? What's my focus? Because that's the thing that you will pursue. And if you want something to change, what you have to do is figure out what path am I on and what part of my path needs to change because it's become a distraction. People who pursue goals in their life, the ultimate goals of their life, will eliminate distractions that take away from their goal. That's what they do. That's what we do. If something is distracting me from my goal, I need to remove it from my path. I need to, because why? Because it's a distraction. Everybody follow? This could be, this could be applied anywhere. It's not just applied with our faith in Jesus. It can be applied anywhere. Is if you really want that goal, you evaluate the path that gets you there. You have to evaluate, and you constantly evaluate that path. But Paul was convinced of this, of where the destination would take him. He was convinced that he would be with Jesus. And he was convinced Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He was absolutely 100% convinced. So that whatever he walked through, it was worth it to him. But Paul was human. And so Paul comes to this place in Corinth. And he meets some friends, you know, Aquila and Priscilla, this couple. I think they had a lot in common. For one, Paul's been kicked out of cities, and so have they. Have you noticed that? <laughs> They've been kicked out. It's like, share your story about how you got kicked out. Share your story about how you got kicked out. Oh, let's become good friends, right? You know, they've both been kicked out of, their, of different places. Aquila and Priscilla got kicked out of their home because they were Jewish. Paul's getting kicked out for speaking about Jesus. And then they, they're tent makers. I'm telling you what, they're probably like best friends. They're hanging out. Hey, we've been kicked out of our cities together. We've been, now we're tent makers. And so they've got some common ground here. So they're working. Paul is now working, earning money. And then he preaches on the weekends. He goes to the Jewish Sabbath. If you read, or the Jewish synagogue on the Sabbath, this is, this is what Paul would normally do. Why? Because of Paul's credentials. Remember, Paul is a Pharisee. So Paul gets credentials into the Jewish synagogue to be able to speak because of his credentials as a Pharisee. He's got the teach. He's got the he's got the qualifications, so they would often let him speak. So that was Paul's strategy. A lot of times, he would just go to the next city, find a synagogue, and that's where he would talk with people. And then all of a sudden, we see this. We see Silas and Timothy rejoin him. Remember, they were in Berea. They were they were helping the church 
can continue to, to grow and be strengthened. And now Silas and Timothy have come. So now that frees up Paul to be able to dedicate his time full-time to preaching. And then he goes to the Jewish synagogue again, and it's not going so well. In fact, they become abusive. And so Paul decides to go next door to speak to the Gentiles. And we see what happens there. People believe. People are, people are believing they're getting baptized. I mean, think, some stuff's happening here. It's, it's incredible. And what I've come to realize is that sometimes what happens in our life is we get so focused on the, the door that's closed that we forget to see the doors that God is now going to open. We forget to see the doors that God is opening. And this is why it's so important to have a heart of thanksgiving because when you start to, start to realize the things God is doing, you'll start to see more and more the, the doors that God is opening. But the problem is, well, a lot of times when we look at the doors that God is opening, we, we want it to be like, wow, like my social media followers grew by 5,000 or my bank account increased by 10,000. You know, we, we look at this picture, this image as to what we think blessing is and what God's doors are opening is. When Jesus was all about the individuals, this is the greatest leadership lesson I see, with, especially with Jesus often, is that he did not get distracted by the crowds. He got so caught up with the individuals in the crowd. Leaders, especially, get so focused on the crowd size that they forget of connecting a lot of times with those individuals who are in there because they all have a story. This is what leaders will tell you. The, the most important thing to them often is the individual stories that they get from people. That's what motivates them. Is it, is it working? Is what I'm doing matter? Does it matter? And so for Jesus, he would often see these, these individuals in the crowd and call them out of the crowd. And a lot of times they'd be healed, transformed, whatever. A lot of cool things would happen. But what I love about this is Paul, if Paul would have given up, because remember, often Paul would have to flee the city when, when they would get aggressive, right? That was his natural response. They would, he would have to flee. Paul stayed. And what I find fascinating is that the victory, the breakthrough was literally in the next scene. It was literally in the next scene. Don't you just love those TV shows that you watch, right? And you're watching those shows and it's, it's like... They make it more dramatic because the music gets more intense, right? It's like, I, I, I always laugh sometimes. I'm like, just get to the part, right? And I just want but to, the, but they want to build it up. So they, they have this dramatic music in the background and the, the music starts getting louder and louder and all of a sudden you're anticipating something and then it's like the end of the episode, right? And they say, next time on such and such, right? And you have to wait seven days to finally see the next episode as to what happened. And let's be honest, most of the time it's disappointing because we often play in our minds what's going to happen and it happens uh, next week and it's like, that was a waste of you know, thinking about that, that episode because it didn't, didn't feel great or it wasn't that what I expected. You know, but for, for Paul, what he realized in that moment is that his breakthrough was literally in the next scene. It was literally the next, next door. This is what's so important for you is that as you walk through things in your life, it is so important. I think people need to hear this, that you don't give up, that you don't give up. Because if you give up, who else is going to pray that prayer? If you give, if you, if you give up, who else is going to reach that person? You may be thinking, well, Pastor Bobby, I just can't do it anymore. 
You know, I, I understand. But I'm here to tell you, what if the miracle is literally next door? What if it's literally the next scene? What if, what if God is up to something? Because when the enemy increases the, uh, the, the, the way he attacks people, I often know I'm getting closer to the miracle. When he attacks me and I feel the intensity of it, the closer I know I'm getting to a miracle. I'm getting closer to a breakthrough because he spots something. The enemy isn't dumb. The enemy is very, very well aware of a lot of things. He just can't keep up with God. But what you and I need to understand is, is what if the victory is literally next door? What if it's literally the next scene? And what I've come to, to, to think about and pray about is if God is, is moving me into a new season and he's taking me out of this influence of people who don't know Jesus to pray for, the peop- for somebody who knows Jesus to come and replace me. Because if nobody's there, how many know there's no witness now? There's no representation of who Jesus is. So it's, so it's so important that you and I recognize those moments where, God, what are you doing now and what can, what can I do next for you? It's so critical that you and I catch all this. But I also love what happens in this passage of Scripture. This is a common theme. We've seen a common theme in the book of Acts as to how the church multiplied. They not only shared their faith, they met together regularly, they, they shared their faith, they served other people, but then we see this, is that when somebody comes to know Jesus, it says this, in the very last verse that we read, it said, those who heard, believed, and were baptized. Believed, and were baptized. First step, act of obedience, believe, be water baptized. This is such an important principle because not only does Jesus tell us this is a command, it's not him asking, it's a command, do this as you've seen me do it, get water baptized, what is it doing? Because understand this, that heaven is rejoicing with you when you come to know Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us, it says heaven goes crazy, they have a party when one person comes to know Christ. But here's the thing, you can get saved in your car and nobody in the world knows about it. So what does Jesus say? He says, take your faith public. Take your faith public and do it in front of people who actually are going to celebrate with you. They are giving you a physical reaction as to how heaven responded when you gave your life to Jesus. They are showing you, literally with your own eyes. Because we can't see heaven celebrating when we come to know Jesus because we're here, believe it or not. And when you and I Come to know Christ. When we get water baptized, it is a public declaration of my faith to everybody here. And this is the most important place to do it because it's not shame, it's not guilt, it's not condemnation. It is rejoicing. We want to rejoice with you. And Jesus wants people to see the lives that are being changed by him. So you and I get water baptized. It's such an important step in a believer's life to do that. Whether you may be thinking, well, I haven't done it and it's been years, do it, do it now. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't, don't say, I'll do it next year or, or whatever. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to I take this step of obedience. This is such an important part of a Christian's life because it not only is following in Jesus' steps, it's allowing the church to celebrate with you. It's allowing them to celebrate with you. And that's what is so important to you and I is that we do that with the Lord. Because if you did this in the book of Acts... 
Remember, they don't have a baptismal tank in the synagogue. They don't believe in that stuff in the, the Jewish synagogue. They didn't do that. So guess where they had to go? Rivers. Guess who's around there? There's sure to be some Christians. Romans will be there. Right? Romans own the world. You'll have religious leaders there who don't like what you're doing. So guess what you just did? You just put a target on your back. You just literally put a target on your back because you have just confessed Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. And so there will be people who don't like that. This is why water baptism can be done here, but there also will be people who are non-believers who need to see it. Not because they're going to hunt you down, but simply because they need to see that there's real life transformation happening. Such an important thing for people to see. The second part of this is when it comes to the Lord knows all, is that the Lord knows what we feel, so take courage. Verses 9 through 11, this is Jesus going to speak to Paul in a vision. It says this, the one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent. For I am with you, no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. I love what it says at the very beginning of what Jesus says. Jesus says, do not be afraid. We see Paul as like this amazing hero in the faith, and it seems like nothing can stop him. But Jesus tells him to not be afraid because, because Paul felt fear. Paul was not just this person that's invincible. Paul felt it. He felt the same fear that you and I would, would feel about things. He experienced fear. Jesus doesn't mention fear just, because, just for the sake of mentioning fear. No, Jesus knows exactly what he's feeling. Can I just tell you, Jesus knows exactly what you and I feel. He knows when you feel anxiety. He knows when you obviously feel fear. He knows when you feel stress, when you feel, when you feel this doubt in your life, when you feel temptation, when you feel like you can't go on, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like throwing in the towel on stuff and you just, you want nothing to do with anymore, Jesus knows exactly how you feel. He's not unaware of your feelings. Jesus is so aware. God is the creator of your emotions, but the enemy comes to distort your emotions too, because that's what the enemy does. He distorts your emotions. So what Paul has come to realize in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, is that I take every thought captive and I make it obedient to Christ. Every single thought. So when this is what Jesus is telling Paul. He says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Keep on speaking. So the next point is what we feel. So take courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is confronting fear. It's, it's learning to confront the fear that you feel to say, I am taking every single thought captive and I make that obedient to Christ. It is a discipline that Paul works on, and he challenges every believer to do the same. You may be thinking, well, I just, there's no way I can do that. Listen, it's not about being perfect, because if you're perfect, then you don't need Jesus. What you are desiring is that, Lord, I want to be consistent in taking every thought captive. I want to take the, every single thought, every thought that comes against me, that's against your word, and what does Jesus tell him to do? Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. Learn to speak back against the fear. Learn to speak back against the stress. Learn to speak back against temptation. Learn to speak back against any negative emotion that does not line up with the word of God. 
It is about developing a discipline in you. You're not, you won't be perfect at it. The key is catching it. The key is catching it, and the key is for you to speak. Because remember Jesus, or in the book of James, it says the tongue has the power of life and death. What you speak has power over it. It has power. Maybe you think, well, I tried that. You keep on speaking. Right? Jesus, Jesus has said, keep on speaking. Well, I tried it once and it didn't work. Keep on speaking. Keep on speaking. That's what Jesus' words were to Paul. And I love what it says. No, no one is going to attack and no harm is going to come against you because I have many people in this city. Many people in this city. I love that word many simply because it's, there's not a number attached to it. It's not I have 10 people in this city. It's not that I have 100. It's not that I have 300. It's not that I have 1,000. It's not that I have a million. How many know many is many? It could mean anything. What Jesus was telling Paul is that there are many that are on my side, and even though you may not know it, they're here. They're here, and they're, my gospel is spreading all over the place. We're going to see an example of this in just a moment. But there is so many things that are for the gospel. This is why Paul, in the book of Romans, will say this in, the, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? This is so critical for you and I to catch this, is that there are many people who are walking through the same things that you and I walk through. What the enemy tries to do is isolate you. Because if he separates you from the body of Christ, if he, if he separates you from a small group, if he separates you from anything, if he can separate you from other believers, he knows he, he has you. He's got you right where he wants you. And what you don't know is little by little, he's putting little lies in, the, in there. And what you start to realize is that you start to believe these little lies because the enemy is smarter than you. I mean, that may be hard to hear, but he is. But when you have Jesus, when you have Jesus and his word guiding you and you're living out those principles, it's much easier to catch those things because the, Jesus knows those lies. And he's come to help you take every thought captive and make it obedient to him. And this is what you and I are called to do is that there were many people in the city. Many people in the city. So it's easy to give in to fear if you've been rejected before. I want to encourage people today that you keep praying those prayers. You keep praying those prayers. You keep sharing your faith. Well, I possibly have been rejected. Keep sharing it. Keep sharing it because you just don't know when the breakthrough will happen. It can literally be the next scene, just like Paul just saw. It was literally in the next scene that breakthrough happened. It could be you inviting people. It could, you, it could be you still believing. I'm just here to tell you that there are many walking with you. And you don't know all the stories, but I can tell you this. There are people who are walking with you, who are walking through the same stuff that you walk through, and you're not alone. Jesus is with you. He, he knows what you feel. The last point is this, is that it, he knows what it takes to further his gospel. I have the band come. In verses... 12 through 17, it says this, while Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul, brought him to the place of judgment. This man they charge is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. This is why they're doing this over and over, is because Roman law has given the liberty for Judaism to be talked about. They've given that freedom. They've been given that freedom. What, what the Jewish leaders were trying to do is trying to take the message about Jesus and separate it 
Because if that gets separated by the Roman government, then the Roman government will come after them. Because it's not protected. That's why they keep trying to separate it from Judaism. Because Roman law is now is protecting Judaism. And they don't want this whole Jesus thing to be protected by Roman law anymore. This is why they keep attacking. It's, it's, they're trying to persuade people to worship God in a way contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak. I love what this says. Just as he was about to speak. Remember, Paul has to talk a lot. He has to defend himself a lot. Don't you ever get tired of having to defend yourself sometimes? Paul was about to speak. Galileo spoke first. Said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about your words, names, and your own law, settle the matters yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them out. Then the crowd there turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul. Galileo showed no concern whatsoever. We don't know too much about Sosthenes, but don't want to be that guy, right? But what I do know is this, is that Galileo was exactly where he needed to be at exactly the right time for Paul. He said Paul didn't even get to speak. God will use people in your life to defend you and to even give you access to things that you could never do on your own. For Galileo, he literally gave Paul open access in Corinth. Do you, I mean, if you notice this in those cities that Paul has been to, how many know he's not there for very long? Because he has to leave quickly. Why? Because everybody's coming to kill him, right? But in Corinth, it says this in verse 11, he was there for a year and a half. It's a long time for Paul because he's usually on the run. But it's because of a man like Galileo who says, this is a matter of your guys' theology. This isn't a matter of Roman law. Galileo was, if there's a historical record of him, he is a very, very powerful individual. People respect his opinion and what he says goes. What's so interesting is that Galileo was positioned for such a time as that to literally give Paul open access in the city of Corinth to preach the gospel and no harm can be done to him. How many know there is another miracle? As we study the word of God, we see the miracles that take place over and over and over. And as we just take the time to reflect on the word, this is why I say, you know, some people can read and obtain information fast, but I, it's not about how much you read. It's about how much is, is getting into your heart. Is it getting in here? Read it, study it, take the time to get to know it because there's miracles that are happening all over this book in the book of Acts and all over the Bible. It's fascinating. For a man like Galileo to be where he was, this was God's plan all along. Because you can see, see this, that the enemy can keep up with you, but the enemy cannot keep up with God. The enemy can keep up with you because you're human. He knows how humans are. But he cannot keep up with God. When God is with you, when you are following in the steps of the Lord, guess what you just did? You just got a step ahead of the enemy. Because why? Because of where the Lord is now taking you. He's taking you into a new season and he's taking you farther than, than the ways that the enemy can keep up with you. He can't do it. Because why? God is with you. God is for you. He's not against you. This is why Paul cannot get over the, this amazing Jesus and what he has done because he literally gets us a step of the head of the enemy every single time. And even though he can, he can take away our very life, 
the gospel will just continue to spread. Because why? Because God said, I have many people and I will spread my gospel to this whole earth. And the enemy will try to keep up, but it cannot keep up with me. And when you are with God, you are now ahead of the enemy in his plans. He can't keep up with you because of who is with you and who is for you. This is the amazing God we serve. Will you stand to your feet this morning? How the prayer teams come? If you're here today and you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ, we want to offer that opportunity. These prayer teams can pray with you this morning. When we sing a, a song together, you can come forward if you would like to receive Christ and just tell those prayer teams. They'll ask you, what can we pray for you about? Just say, hey, I just want to give my life to Jesus today. Can you help me do that? They'll love to do that with you. If there's things that, you know, I feel like mainly people are dealing with some, some areas that they're feeling, maybe they've been expressed or not, but you need to surrender those feelings to the Lord. You need the motivation, the encouragement, the prayers to be spoken over you. Say, you know what? I'm dealing with a lot of fear right now. I'm dealing with anxiety right now. I'm dealing with stress. I'm dealing with temptation. I'm dealing with struggle. I'm dealing with rejection. I'm dealing with whatever. You name it. You just need to be strengthened today. This is why I tell people all the time. You need to hear people pray over you because you are stronger together than you are on your own. You are stronger together. You are stronger when other people can pray over you. There's power in that. There really is. This is what the Word of God teaches us over and over and over, is that incredible things happen when we trust the Lord for what He says and we follow in His steps. And so as we sing this together, let's just sing it together. And if you that applies to you, please feel free to come forward and be prayed for before we're dismissed today. But let's sing with the team a few times through this song. These prayer teams will remain up here if you need prayer today, so don't feel rushed out by any means. Uh, But let's pray together and just see the Lord be active this week in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the privilege it is to know you. Thank you for being active all over the world. Lord, we thank you that you're positioning your people across the earth to further your gospel. Lord, we're so uh, blown away by the miracles that are taking place. Lord, there are even miracles taking place that we don't even see. Lord, I pray that this week, Lord, that we would just be reminded that you will supply with what we need when we need it. Lord, that you will supply us, Lord, with with everything that we could ever possibly need, Lord, to carry out what you have called us to do. Lord, we're so thankful that you know how we feel, that you are walking with us, Lord, in those feelings of, of, you know, a number of different negative things, God, but you are with us in those moments. And all we have to do is keep on speaking. Lord, I pray that you would give us the discipline to do just that. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be a part of furthering your gospel. Let that be our focus and our end goal, is that the gospel gets spread throughout throughout the whole earth. Lord, be with us as we go today. And Lord, we thank you how you're going to be active this week in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. Make sure you greet each other as you go. Feel free to come forward if you like prayer before before you head out today. And have a wonderful afternoon. God bless.